There are two reasons that people change. And the reason we always go to is because of desperation, because of failure, because of all that. And that's true. That is a reason people make a change. But the reason that gets overlooked is because they have a compelling new vision of what their life could be like. And that was my experience of being with Dallas. Reading The Divine Conspiracy move and and really immersing myself in those ideas changed me from a cynic to a hopeful person. I had a compelling new vision. Watching how he dealt with people gave me a compelling new vision of what my life could be like. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Formation Podcast, a place where we have conversations that lead to transformation. I'm your host, Nathan Williams, and on today's episode, I will be sharing with you a conversation that I had just a few days ago with author and speaker Jan Johnson. The conversation that I had with her was incredibly rich. I deeply enjoyed it, and I know that you will as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Hello and welcome to the Spiritual Formation Podcast. Today I have with me author and speaker Jan Johnson. Welcome, Jan. Thank you, Nathan. It is so good to be here. I I have to be honest and uh, just telling you, I, we spoke a little bit before I hit the record button, but I'm just so excited uh, that you agreed to be a part of the show. And I know that my listeners today are going to be encouraged and stretched, um, both of them, encouraged and stretched by your insight and perspective today. And I wanted to take just a minute before we started conversating and and asking particular questions, help um, my listeners become familiarized with some of your work um, if they're not up to this point. For those who don't know Jen, she is a giant in the world of spiritual formation. She has written a total of 23 books. Uh, She has served as a spiritual director for almost 20 years. Uh, She also teaches uh, classes at a number of universities and is an adjunct professor. She's written more than a thousand published articles in magazines like Christianity Today, World Vision, and so on. She's also uh, somewhat of a specialist when it comes to the writings and theology of Dallas Willard, who's just an incredible scholar uh, and theologian. And lastly, she serves as the chair, correct me if I'm wrong, Jan, but you serve as the chair of Dallas Willard Ministries. Is that correct? All day. Very, very good. (laughs) All of this to say, Jan, I had a really hard time focusing in on on what it is that I wanted uh, us to focus on, on our conversation today, because there's just so many different things I'd love to talk to you about. But for starters, I'd love it if you would just talk a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and and uh, just what God's currently doing in your life as as you follow Jesus. Well, I grew up in a family where my mom was a very active Christian, you name it, at the church, and she did it. And my father, for most of his life, was not a Christian. And um, in fact, we didn't know it, but he was suffering from bipolar disorder 
which is why mm. he drank a lot and it was for self-medication. So, um, but you know what's interesting, Nathan? When I was a little kid, I had such a sense that when I went to the bar with my dad on Saturday, Jesus was there. And I still think of it like Jacob the angel and, and Jacob wrestling. I always think, you know, some card shark would show up and talk to my dad. And then, of course, Jesus was there in the church on Sunday, too. But it gave me kind of a a sense that I would find Jesus anywhere. And that was really, um, that's always been powerful for me. And hanging out with the down and out, I've served at a drop-in center for the homeless for decades. And um, so I was involved in inner city ministry and... Uh, and then I just got this thing for writing. Just, I was a little bit older than you. It's funny, Nathan. I thought that my life was almost over, like at 34. <laughs> and so I better, you know, like start writing now or it was all over. So, um, right. And, and I just really love it enormously. And I've written, and then I guess in about in the early 90s, I was asked to review books by Dallas and, then I ended up meeting him, and it was such a pivotal meeting in my life. And then um, kept running into him. Well, actually, I probably stalked him, you know, <laughs> where he spoke. Who can and, blame um, you? You know, and um, and he was sending me early chapters of Divine Conspiracy, which were just wonderful. Wow. So then um, when we wrote the, the study guide for the Divine Conspiracy, wow. then his wife asked me to be on an advisory council for him so um we got to help him make decisions and and just a lot of those things and then dallas willard ministries was formed right as he was dying which was 10 years ago in a few days and i have been an active in that and then it um i've become chair and we've done all kinds of really fun things including school of kingdom living which is an 18-month certificate program it's different from Renovari Institute. It's different from other things because it is totally based on the gospel of the kingdom, and we read all of Dallas's books and that kind of thing. So we're having we're having great fun, and um, I'm actually taking 13 transcripts of talks Dallas did 40 years ago on the hmm. parables, and I'm turning them into a book. So I'm I'm just having enormous fun. Oh wow. Yeah, I can't wait to read that. That sounds amazing. No, but thank you for sharing. I, I would love now, just to make the, the most of our time, to take a few minutes and ask you some questions regarding one of your books uh, entitled Enjoying the Presence of God, the subtitle Discovering Intimacy with God in the Daily Rhythms of Life. And I want to ask you some specific questions about the book. But before I do that, okay. um, to get us started, could you just take a moment and give our listeners a brief overview of what this book is about and just share the heart of its message? Well, if if you're at all familiar with the very old book, The Practice of the Presence of God, written by Brother Lawrence, my editor called my book, Brother Lawrence Moves to L.A. Um, <laughs> and I had been... Before I had kids, and you have young kids, so you understand this. Before I had kids, yes. you know, I was like this 
oh gosh, I taught the Bible. I did all these ferocious things. You know, I was involved in all kinds of stuff. And then they came along and it just sort of, I mean, it was wonderful, but it upended my whole world. So I had to figure out how to diaper a baby for Jesus and how to hang out with Jesus all day long, even when you didn't have loads of time. And um, so it's a lot about an interactive life with God in ordinary life all day long and how to perpetuate that conversation or, or actually how to be listening for God in the middle of it and what it looks like to just have that conversational life with God even though you got a whole lot of stuff going on. I think that's a great primer. And uh, one of the things that I loved about this book is really how practical and accessible uh, it is for everyday life, really just what you talked about. The the way of life and following Jesus, it's not ethereal or out there. It's It's very much... God walking with us in step. And the book starts off with this lovely chapter entitled Trying Too Hard, which was so relatable to me as I read it that it almost hurt. I felt as though I was reading my own biography from (laughs) from years ago. And what you describe in that chapter is this personal, regimented routine with God that was driven, yes, by a sense of duty, but also devotion to God. Mm -hmm. Um, and despite, you know, all the discipline that you were putting out of, of your life, the experience of your intimacy with God, um, was not growing. It, it was waning. And as this is a problem that I just believe so many Christians either are currently struggling with, or they've struggled with at some point in life. Can you talk some about why you believe we so easily find ourselves in that particular predicament? Oh, gee. I think that we misunderstand what life with God is like. We think that it's mechanical and we have a checkbox spirituality where you do this and you do this and you do that. And you, you've you described what happened well. In fact, the, the scene is where I took my very long, detailed prayer notebook and just chucked it across the room and said... I think it would be better if we just talked. Um, And I was, there were certain things going on in my life that were a crisis. And I just really wanted God and I wanted to be able to have a life with God. So um, the mechanical is doing all of that. And we need to switch from mechanical to relational Mm -hmm. to what would it look like to just hang out with God? Or here's a phrase that some people object to, but I really like it. Just wasting time with God. (laughs) To be able to sit in your backyard or your balcony, to be able to just be with God with um, no agenda and see if God has anything to say to you. But if not, um, just to be able to enjoy God. So to be able to love God and enjoy God as I ride my bike or as I'm hiking, especially those are two places where God is so evident to me Um, that it's like in Psalm 139, he lays his hand upon me. Um, So that sort of life is what I began to want. And, And so I started reading Brother Lawrence once a month 
for like five years. <laughs> and um, it was small. You know, you could read it in the bathroom when you had these little kids. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I tried to make this book small, too. Um, so that's where I was headed. Yeah, I think it's great. And I just have to quote you on this. In the book, you put it this way. You say, when you're talking about a solution to this problem. I didn't need a great quiet time. I needed a God-centered lifetime. I saw that my responsibility as a Christian was to seek God's company, not to seek spiritual maturity. Now, could you unpack that for us a little bit? Because I think that even in this podcast, which is very much focused on spiritual formation, the inner life, how do we become more like Jesus, take on his character in, in Dallas Willard's language, not just emulate him on the spot, but all of the time. So this line about you saw that your responsibility as a Christian was not just to seek spiritual maturity, but to seek his company. Can you unpack just some of the implications for us in that? Well, the phrase that I've developed since writing the book is this. You do the connecting and God does the perfecting. And this is really a lot out of John 15. Abide in me as I abide in you. As I abide in Christ, then guess what? I bear fruit. And so whatever ways you connect with God best, and these are actually called spiritual disciplines. Okay, there we are. Um, Do those things that help you connect with God best. And a lot of them will be things that will surprise you. In one of the classes that I teach in grad school, they have to do they do different spiritual disciplines and I give them choices about how to do them. So they had to do a solitude and silence exercise, which Jesus did that a lot. He was always dashing off and they were finding him. But we tend to think that's useless or we tend to think I can't sit still. Well, you know what a lot of my students did is they laid on a trampoline at night and watched the stars. That's how they did their solitude and silence. When I first started doing it, I was doing it hiking. And you know, in the beginning, Nathan, I couldn't do silence too. I had to have worship music on. And it took about a year or two and I could finally hike in silence. But I was with in solitude with God. So solitude and silence isn't always sitting somewhere, being still. But it's about a stillness of mind. And so those are ways, being able to connect with God through scripture, but looking at the stories and asking, doing real meditation where you, you, you know the story, but you go over it and you see what God causes to stand out to you that's very different. And then journaling about that. Or, you know what, we could call it scribbling. That sounds less yeah. disciplinish, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, and using all your colored pens and your, or your abbreviations and, and whatever else. Um, but as I connect with God, it, especially like you, you see, for example, the woman with the, with the flow of blood. And, you know, she's, she's following him. And he's not supposed to talk to women in public, much less someone who's been unclean for 12 years. And it's, it's a total mess. And in Mark 10, it says that when she finally comes forward, it says that she tells her whole truth. And you got to imagine 
Here's the Savior of the world standing and listening to a woman talk about her gynecological disorder, and she's in a crowd of Palestinian men. So you have the Savior of the world who listens. Listening yeah. is minute-by-minute minute submission. I'm letting the other person be in control. And that had an enormous effect on me. Just being in that scene, imagining him standing there and listening to her tell her whole truth and thinking, I, that okay, I was fascinated by it. And I thought, that's who I want to be. And I asked God to give me all kinds of great ideas about how to listen better. But it wasn't a duty because it was... It was implanted on my soul. I saw Jesus do it, mm, and I really yeah. wanted to do what he did. So those are some of the spiritual practices that helped me connect with God. And and I really did begin to change because the change comes from within. So that that's sort of how I began. And that's still what happens today. God invites me into sometimes very goofy kind of practices. And it helps me, it changes me from the inside out. Absolutely. And I think that too, what, there's, a, there's a word that you said that I think is very important. You said um, meditating. And I think that sometimes we hear that word and we can begin to think of, you know, uh, some various maybe odd things might come to our mind. But the meditating that we're talking about obviously is not you know, the more Eastern empty your mind meditation, but you know, the Psalm one kind of meditation of, you know, Psalm one verse two, that, um, you know, we meditate, uh, on, on the word day and night and it, and it transforms us. And I think that even your description there of putting yourself in that scene and experiencing a God who listens, you don't see that right at first. You have to sit with it. Yes. You have to wait with the Lord in his presence to let him have the opportunity to speak. And I, I don't know about you. I know for me, sometimes I'm just so hurried that I'm I'm ready for the download, Lord. I'm here. Like, I, I turned off my phone. I lit the candle. You know, give me what I need. And that just so goes against, I think, exactly what you're talking about, which is a slowing down um, relationality, being there with God. This morning, I was just reading a paragraph in a book that I've been reading. And you just wait to see what jumps out at you. Because it, with that story that I told you, whole truth just jumped out at me. And I started thinking about that. Like this morning, I was reading a book that's that's um, describing Dallas's work. And it talks about the sentence that just grabbed me was to be made alive in God's full world. And it's sort of like those words just grab you and woo you. And and I just had a sense of God saying, this is what you really want, I know. And just to have it put into words that way, that's what... And so I got out my journal and I began writing, God, I do want to be made alive in your full world. Because I've been thinking a lot about looking forward and moving ahead. And I, and I, the question that I put before God yesterday is, is that just about me? Why is that my strong desire right now? And that's what I got this morning. 
to be made alive. I mean, that's, that's all Corinthians right there, you know? Um, I want to be made alive in God's full world. That, that think about the parable of the sower, 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. And it's not just that I want, I just want more. That's not what I'm saying. I want to be alive to God. Just changing our routine isn't necessarily going to solve our problems. I think it goes deeper than that. And I think that that's really what your book is getting at, is that if we're going to live lives where we enjoy the presence of God, we have to think about God differently. Um, We have to think about the fact that God isn't just looking for us to do the right things at the right times. He wants to live and experience life with us. And, and that's where I think that, that can sort of feel uncomfortable to us. We're like, you know, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do, but don't get in my space, right? It's like we have um, sort of this, this adverse reaction to, to God getting close. And, and I think that it's, it's something that can become uh, so healing if we'll just invite God into that time. You're right. And you know what? Without it, we are only half alive. It's a great way of saying it. So often we we go through life and we're just trying to get through the day, trying to get yes. to the next thing. Um, yes. God shows up in his love and he's always the God of now. He always shows up to us in the moment. And, and I think that that to me is what I so love about what you say in this book. And at the, at the end of it, it's all about questions that we should ponder. You give lots of great great information and knowledge to chew on. And at the end, you you go to questions that we should ponder as we continue moving deeper in our union with God. And as you open that last section, this this language is really what caused me to pause. You talked about how a phrase sort of stopped you in your tracks. This phrase you used did the same to me, removing stones in our path. And I want to just ask you, you know, what what are those stones that that can be in our path, that block our path to greater intimacy, um, not just more knowledge about God, but greater depth in our in our connection and union with Him. Well, I talk a lot, and I do more of this in When the Soul Listens about the committee that lives in our head. In the committee, there, there's there's definitely someone in that lives in most of our heads. It's an impression manager worried about how I look to other people being hooked on how we appear to others. And so we get involved way over involved in, in sometimes in programs and activities and for their own sake, instead of the people who are there. Um, it, it matters more that I pay attention to the people who are there than even that I accomplish whatever it is I think that I'm supposed to accomplish. Um, that when I'm serving, my goal, you, you said it so well, that God is the God of now. When I'm teaching, it's more important for me to see the student and be with the student and see where they are than for me to get through my little thing that I have um, planned for that day. Um Spiritual success, I so many people are, in fact, this is so weird. Um, with my students, they aren't allowed to use should in any of their papers. And it just kills them. <laughs> you know? Wow. 
it it just rocks their world. Um, I just finished a 13-week class, and I would say one of my very best students, his last paper was full of shoulds, and I was like, still doing what I'd done all semester. Please do not use this word in papers for this class. <laughs> um, instead of should, it's invitation. You know, dying to self is really about not having to have my way. So then I read that and I think, oh, gosh, I remember this situation where I just wanted to have my way. Now, you can sit there and dump on yourself and should on yourself, which is an interesting phrase. You can do that or you can say, what is the invitation here? Look back at that person that I was doing that with. How, God, are you inviting me to love that person well now. And so I find that life is full of invitations. And yes, it's true that what I did wasn't the, wasn't the best thing, but God is inviting me forward and showing, just saying, come on, girl, let's do this. Wouldn't that be good? That's so good. And I think focusing on that is, is good. Otherwise we sort of become we think of ourselves as the star of our own spirituality. You know, I did this and I did that, or I didn't do this and I didn't. Well, maybe it's not about you, you know? Maybe the spirit does the heavy lifting. And I'm just following along behind Jesus. It's so good. I love how you said that. To go in tandem with that, it's it's always worth noting that the path to intimacy and delight in God is not always necessarily these wonderful revelatory insights from scripture and Zen level peace. Every time we, you know, go into the prayer closet, um, experiencing, you know, that intimacy with God, it also entails what what you're talking about here. The, the hard work of exploring the dark hidden areas of our own soul. Um, you know, dealing with our faulty beliefs about who God even is and what he thinks about us. That to me, is one of the things that I think your book does so well. You have a chapter where you really deal with, um, Jesus, does Jesus really love me? You know, it's that, yes. it's that thing that we know that we know that we know, because it's one of the first, for those who grew up in church, it's one of the first little songs we ever heard and yes. its melody is inescapable. But do we really believe that God loves us? And I think that you getting down to some of the, the base level questions in this book really does open the door for us to step through and say, man, do I just want to go through the perfunctory motions or do I actually want to enjoy this life with God that he's given me? That's really good. And that learning to believe that God loves me is a journey we'll be on for the rest of our lives. And it is the big deal. You will do anything for someone who loves you. Absolutely. And I, I seriously, we could talk about this for way too long. I, here's the thing. I have more questions, but I actually want to transition because before we run out of time, I, I just would kick myself if I didn't ask you a little bit about your your time with Dallas and some of the ways that he influenced your life. Um, oh again, just as a <laughs> as a primer for the, for our listeners, you're the author of Renovation of the Heart and Daily Practice: Hearing God Through the Year. Dallas Willard's study guide to the divine conspiracy and numerous short study guides to many of his other books. You have a deep and thorough understanding of Dallas Willard's incredible writing and theology. And 
I also saw a picture on your website of of you and he together and just have to start by asking how, you know, you said earlier, even in this podcast that, that you came to meet him. would love to hear how did that happen and what was the impact of, of having someone like Dallas in your life? Uh, okay, so this was our first real conversation. So 1991 at the Ranavari Conference, and he was one of five keynote speakers. And one of the things he said is, he said, when I came... I wanted to be the best of the five of the five keynote speakers. But as I talked with God, I decided to pray for the other four. I mean, I sat in my seat as a budding speaker, looking at him like, you are the craziest person in the world. Why wouldn't you oh. want, you know? And so then I went to his workshop, you know, and how to live one day with Jesus. And I'd already reviewed some of his books. So at the end of the conference... You know, I'm in the line. I'm the last person. So we're walking down the hall, and I'm realizing that now this was all impression management on my part. I'm realizing that, oh my gosh, I sound like I'm just, you know, when you sound like you're gushing and you just know the other person must be going, oh, I just want to get out of here. Who is this? And so <laughs> I said something about, I can't remember exactly what I said. But his response to me, I'll never forget. He said, why don't you try not affirming anyone for a while and see what happens? And I thought, okay, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. You know, but I was polite. And then I started to go through life after that. And I would notice that when I would affirm someone, it was mixed. On the one hand, I really liked noticing what people are getting right and they don't notice. I think that's really fun. On the other hand, I wanted them to think I was spiritual. I wanted them to, you know, all of that. And it happened by pausing. Every time I went to affirm someone, I would pause and think. And that's the kind of life. I mean, that's just our first conversation. And right. just watching him so often, the things he did, he would be in the Fuller class. And in the beginning, the early years, people didn't exactly know who he was, you know, yet. And these these smart like, doctor of ministry students would smart off to him. It was like he never heard them smart off. He answered them in a kind, intelligent way. And I would be sitting there looking at him going, that's crazy. And then then I could find within a few years, I was doing the same thing. Someone asked me a snarky question and I actually laughed. And then I tried to address, you know, what they were really concerned about. And just hanging out with him, getting to be around him. We, he would, in between class, he would be out by the fountain and he would walk with his hands behind his back. And, you know, then then I would notice that when I was on the platform, and you know how you, you can be teaching with a, with the right heart, but then you kind of feel, you know, kind of glitzy a little bit. And, and I would start to be just a bit of a show off and I would immediately put my hands behind my back and everything changed. I was back to just being a servant of Jesus. Mm, wow. So 
There were so many things that he did like that, not having to have the last word. That was his big deal. Um, and just being able to be around him and seeing that, he, he was he was so different, Nathan, from the way people generally are. I can only imagine. I remember the first time I ever read anything by Dallas, and it was Spirit of the Disciplines. I remember reading this, and I was like, who is this guy? Um, who is this guy? Like, the way he thinks, it's just different. And, you know, he's been blowing my mind ever since, every every time I read anything of his. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I almost wonder if part of the reason that the church um, has so flocked to Dallas's writings and teachings over the years is not necessarily just because of how he thought, but also because of who he actually was. Just as ingrained in, you know, the brilliance of his of his teachings and his writings is the fact that I think when the church sees an authenticity in a person like that, where it's it's not necessarily always polished. Like Dallas Willard, he he wasn't always polished, but he was always him. You're right. You're right. And it was that lack of impression management. He didn't worry about what other people thought. He was there. He was there to serve. I Something got me really upset at School of Kingdom Living, and I could hear God say to me, because this is what I learned from Dallas, I am among you as one who serves, not one who judges, not one who gets annoyed, not one who wants you to think well of me and thinks it's bad that you don't. I am among you as one who serves. And it was so good. It just totally rescued me. I went, thank you. I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Even just hearing what you say, you know, I, you, I've, I've read so many different accounts, whether it's from John Ortberg or just different people who, you know, had really been in Dallas's life. And um, I think it's just it's helpful for people to, to recognize that even in the context that we're talking about on this show, spiritual formation, it just it shows your testimony of how by mere proximity. It it, yes. it changed something about you, and the fact is, what we what we put ourselves through, who we put ourselves around, what we choose to give our attention to, all of those things are playing a role, whether we realize it or not, in in who God is actually forming us to be. And I think, I think that is a it's a beautiful thing, but it's also a scary thing. Well, and formation is as much caught or. T- as taught. Mm. And so sometimes I take a class or go to a workshop to catch because I know they have something that I need and I may be able to quote their books left and right, but there's something there that I need. Yeah, that is so good. And even reading your book, um, I, I just even know from, from your writings and, um, your vulnerability that God has done deep work in you. And I think that for, for all of us, we need people who we can listen to people that we can observe and read and, and just, you know, by God's grace say, Lord, do that work in me. 
It's not about the other person. Even as we, you know, relish Dallas Willard and all, it's it's not about Dallas right. Willard. It's it's obviously about the work of the Spirit in Dallas and and how God, you know, wants to do the same in us. So, I I I think that is such a good point. I've never thought about it that way, Jan. And I think it goes along with the idea that there are two reasons that people change, and the reason we always go to is because of desperation, because of failure, because of all that. And that's true. That is a reason people make a change. But the reason that gets overlooked is because they have a compelling new vision of what their life could be like. And that was my experience of being with Dallas. Reading the Divine Conspiracy move and, and really immersing myself in those ideas changed me from a cynic to a hopeful person. I had a compelling new vision. Watching how he dealt with people gave me a compelling new vision of what my life could be like. And I think that's what we really need is we, we need and see that's Nathan, that's what your podcast is about. You want to give people a compelling new vision of what their life could be like. Absolutely. That is why I think conversations like these are are so helpful. You know, it's John 10, 10. Jesus says that he came that we could have abundant life, life to the full. And until we recognize that, you know what, there's brokenness in all of us. And um, we want to, we want to walk through that, not around it. That's when that's when Jesus meets us. He meets us in the valley. Um, so, Jan, I just so appreciate your your perspective on these things, and I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed talking to you. And again, I just want to thank you for taking the time. I know there's lots of things you could be doing right now, and the fact that you're slowing down to listen to my questions and talk talk to us um, means a lot. So, I want to take a minute and I want to encourage. Every person listening, if if you haven't already, go and familiarize yourself with some of Jan's work. And before we sign off, Jan, would you do you mind just telling our listeners your most recent book so that they can stay up to date with you and hear more from from what you're writing? Oh wow! So I've been doing I've been leading people through meditations for decades, and I finally put them all in a book. So meeting God in Scripture is about 40 different passages of scripture. And I I lead you by the hand. I tell you what to do to get yourself prepped. I, sh- I help you enter into the passage and see the cultural context and all that. Study it first. And then I lead you through how to meditate on it and then how to um, come back, um, how, how to interact with God about it. So it, it's it was great fun. And the woman with the flow of blood is in there. <laughs> Very good. There's 23 books out there. So there's a lot of good stuff to read from Jan. So I encourage you guys to just go check it out. Thank you so much for joining us. And I uh, just want to say God bless to each and every one of you. Thanks, Jan. Thank you, my dear. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Formation Podcast. We have conversations that lead to transformation. For more information about the show or share it with others, please visit rss.com 
slash podcast slash SFP for a direct link. If you found today's episode helpful, please consider leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening through. Thank you.